We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Last week, we covered the first part of the sixth chapter of uh, this book, of this, uh, yeah, the book of Hebrews. And we said that we are in the middle, the middle of a parenthesis here. We have an exhortation, an encouragement. We see God's faithfulness to his promises. We see the exhortation the writer is giving to these people, believers, Jewish believers, uh, that had trusted in Jesus as their Messiah. And he exhorts them to press on to maturity. And we talked about the importance as believers to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, before we go on, has everybody received a, a copy of the outline for today? If you haven't, uh, please raise your hands. Hmm? Everybody, I think nobody, uh, you know, they just came through you. Everybody came through the doors and did not realize that we had the outlines out there. Anybody else up here? Over here? Over here on this side? Ivan, could you please give some of those to those people in the back there? So we saw that the Lord, I mean, the writer of the uh, book is talking about pressing on to maturity, which is something that we all as believers must do. Nowadays, churches are filled with spiritual babies, people who refuse to grow because they don't take the time to learn the scriptures. That's why I always encourage you to read the scriptures, because through those, not only we get saved, but we also grow spiritually, okay? So after he gives them the exhortation to go on to maturity, now he, from verse 9 to verse 12, he encourages them to continue in their good works. In this section, the writer exhorts them about the responsibility to do good works, to do the works that accompany salvation. Once we're saved, there has to be some kind of fruit in our lives. Because if you don't have any fruit to show, then maybe you're never saved or you are not living according to the will of God. The Lord said, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Every branch in me that bears fruit I will cleanse that it may bear more fruit. And then he talks about most fruit, a lot of fruit, okay? But every branch that does not bear any fruit, it's cut off and thrown away into the fire because the wood of the, of the vine, it's good for nothing except for bearing fruit. 
You cannot use that wood to make furniture. You cannot use that wood to do anything with it, okay? So what good is it except to throw it and burn it in the fire? It's good for nothing. So as Christians, we must have some kind of fruit in our lives, okay? Uh, that is an indication uh, here. When he talks to them that way, it's an indication that he's addressing believers. He's not addressing unbelievers, now, first, he calls them beloved and tells them he is persuaded or confident of better things concerning them. You cannot expect unbelievers to produce spiritual fruit, not the right kind of fruit. But here the writer is persuaded that, and confident, I should say, of better things regarding these believers that they will get out of their immature state and press on to maturity, which will produce better things in their lives. Okay? Giving evidence of their salvation, giving evidence and their, of their fruitfulness that will produce better things than the thorns and briars mentioned in the eighth verse when we uh, talked about it last week. Though he spoke harshly to them, yet he has hope of better things for them. And a good teacher and preacher of the Word of God will sometimes have to speak harshly to somebody because he loves them. When that somebody is not living according to how God commands them to live. Okay? So if I ever talk to you harshly, don't get mad at me and wait for me in the corner to stone me to death. All right? Uh, we all must have humility to, to receive instruction, to receive correction. None of us was born knowing it all. If you were born knowing everything, you would not be here today. Okay? I've been ministering for 46 and a half years, and I'm still learning. Okay? I'm still learning. And uh, may the Lord help me the day I think I have arrived. We never do in this life. So don't be discouraged. Keep on, keep on going ahead, moving on ahead, okay? So we see here that the writer is talking harshly, sternly, firmly, but he has hope of better things for them. Now in verse 10, he encourages them further by mentioning further proof of their salvation, referring to their previous work of love. Which, war, which work they continue to do to the, that point and reminding them that God would never forget this labor of love. Remember, whatever you do for the Lord, God will always remember that. There's no such thing as a little work for God. Everything that we do for the Lord, no matter how small you might think it is, God will always remember that. Amen? Everybody cannot be a preacher or a teacher. And sometimes don't think, you know, some people think that the preachers and the teachers of the Word of God, the missionaries, the pastors are the ones that are going to receive the greatest rewards in heaven. Not necessarily. Okay, sometimes uh, uh, a, a little old lady, <coughs> excuse me, in a church that cannot do much than pray because she's probably in a wheelchair and very weak because of age, but she can pray for everybody. Maybe she will receive an even greater reward than many of those who have their strength and they can do other things. The Lord doesn't 
judge according to the outward appearance, the Bible tells us. The Lord judges according to the heart. He sees our hearts. Now, yesterday we had a work, a, a work, a, a, a work day here, and I understand that a lot of people came to help. That rejoices my heart, and I just praise the Lord for that. And I want to thank all of you that took part in the cleaning of this church. I walked uh, in the next room before, and I almost had a hard time not fainting. It's the first time I see that room that clean. Okay. We have recovered our building from all the excess baggage that we had. And that if you see a lot of garbage outside, please forgive us. It's going to be gone by Tuesday. Uh, we just had to put it somewhere. Uh, it's all that was clean from the inside and the outside of the church. People worked inside and outside. And I praise the Lord for that. Thank you for coming and giving us a hand. And you know what? That's part of the labor of love. Because that's part of ministering to the saints. The ministering to the saints is not always just, you know, spiritual things in the sense of, you know, preaching, teaching, and so on. And sometimes it's physical labor, okay? Cooking and uh, cleaning and doing other things. Uh, it is important. But uh, Here we see that the, the writer uh, of the book is telling these believers that God would not forget their labor of love. God is not unjust to forget these things, which are their work and labor and those things they have shown towards his name. I trust that everyone that came to work here yesterday did not come to get glory. I mean, how much glory can you get from cleaning a bathroom? Okay? But you felt good about it, didn't you, afterwards? Why? Because you did it for the Lord. If you did it for the Lord, you felt good about it afterwards. And don't think about When I first got saved, my goodness, in the church where I got saved, we always had a project going on. We were always, one of the ministries was to, was to move garbage from one room to the next. Because the pastor there used to collect junk. Anybody gave him something for free, he got it, even if we didn't need it. So we kept on moving things from one thing to one place to another. Uh, but it brought us joy because we did it for the Lord, whatever it was. I demolished walls. One time we were demolishing a wall. It has some of these windows, you know, uh, that there are glazed windows you can't see through because the upstairs of that building used to be offices. And as the wall, the sheetrock was coming down, the window bent and the, the glass exploded right over my head. It was the first time I had a uh, shower of shards all over my body. Thank the Lord I wasn't, I wasn't hurt. But I have shoveled snow. I have done all kinds of things. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just letting you know that, you know, when you do it for the Lord, He knows it. And you get satisfaction. So always try to do something. What is there for me to do? The prophet Isaiah, when he saw the Lord sitting high, uh, lifted up on, the, on, the, on his throne, he said, Lord, yeah, who will go for us? He asked, the Lord asked, who will go for us? And what did Isaiah say? Here am I, Lord, send me. <clears throat> how is that in Hebrew? Remember that? Those of you who went to Israel, how is here I am? Anybody remember that? Remember the Friends of Zion Museum? Remember the pictures we took? How we appeared on the screen afterwards and we said the word, here am I. You don't remember? I think we need to go back to Israel. 
for the second course. Remember the word hineni? Hineni in Hebrew means here I am. Here I stand with Israel in this case. But the, the prophet Isaiah said, hineni, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. And that's what we all need to say. Send me, Lord. Use me. Help me to be an instrument of your grace. And uh, <clears throat> we do all these things for his name. Um, they, they, these believers, all that they did, they did it for his glory and their ministry, both past and present. They were serving other saints, other believers. The writer's continence, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is based on their good works, which served as evidence that they were indeed saved. You know, the churches we came from before we knew the Lord taught us that you go to heaven if you're good. Right? Do this, do that, blah, blah. And it's all empty talk because you're not going to go to heaven by saying 50, uh, you know, our, our fathers and 29 Ave Marias. Okay? Uh, that that, that do, does nothing. If it does anything, it, it, it just tires God out. Imagine me telling you this morning, I'm standing here and I say to you, Oh, good morning, Rosalina, how are you? 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 Good morning, after five minutes, she's going to throw a shoe at me or something. Okay? And that's how God feels probably when he hears all these vain repetitions and they think they're going to be heard by their much blabbering. That's not a good work. Okay? But they think that through those good works, they're going to go to heaven. But then we get saved and we come to a Bible-believing church, and there's a lot of Bible-believing churches that unfortunately think that because now you're saved, you don't have to do <clears throat> any good works because after all, you're saved by grace. Yes, you're saved by grace, and you're not saved by works, but you are saved unto good works. And that's in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Good works is an evidence of our salvation. Those are the fruits of our salvation, not the roots of our salvation. Amen? All right. So now, now every believer, though, does not bear the same amount of fruit or the same kind of fruit. But every believer bears some fruit. And perhaps the same kind of fruit. Proving that he or she is a child of God. The Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, when the Lord Jesus is speaking the parables, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who bears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Everybody doesn't produce the same amount of fruit. And everybody does not produce the same kind of fruit in the sense of all is good fruit. Those who are saved are supposed to produce good fruit, but different kinds of fruit. Because the Lord gives each one of us a different gift. I don't like it when somebody comes to me, whether he's a pastor, a preacher, or a layman, or a woman, anybody that says... We ha all have to do this. 
That was tried on me in the past, and it did more damage than good. You cannot expect me to be what I am not. And I cannot expect you to be what you are not. I cannot expect you to live your life according to my gift. You got to live your life according to the gift God gave you, but you got to live your life according to a gift, and you have to produce fruit. Amen? I find that especially with some people who say, oh, man, we need to go out there and evangelize the world. So everybody has to do the same thing. Oh, I believe in evangelizing. I believe in getting people saved. But I don't believe in all, you know, we all need to use the same methods. I'm not one of those who stand in the middle of the streets, you know, with a loudspeaker. That's not me. I'd rather talk to people on a one-to-one basis. Now, I'm not saying that shouldn't be done. But it should be done by somebody who has the gift. Just like I don't expect everybody to teach the way I do. There's no sin in one and there's no sin in the other. It's just that we're all different. I mean, look at you. If we had a mirror here today and you can, everybody look at everybody, how is everybody? Different. My grandma, may she rest in peace, used to say to us, put your hand up like that. And we put our hand up like that. Look at your fingers. And we looked at our fingers. How are your fingers? All different. So are your children. They're all different. That's why parents never compare kids. That's the worst damage you can do. Don't compare them one with the other. Everyone is the way they are. Amen? Now, I know that some of them need a little bit more straightening out than the others, but they're... <laughs> you get message, right? And that's how God deals with us. He knows that we are all different. He made us different. That's why cults, when I remember many years ago, I was in Puerto Rico. Oh, my goodness. You know, Puerto Rican is, if you forgive the expression, don't be offended. But Puerto Rico is infested with Pentecostal churches. And you know what the characteristic of a Pentecostal church is? That all of them who come out, especially women, come out and they all look the same. They have the same hairdo. The same length of skirt, the same color of clothes, it's a cult. I believe in individuality and variety. When I go to the supermarket, I see peaches and nectarines, and I see uh, plums and different kinds of plums too. Some of them are black, some of them are red, some of them are yellow. God is a God of creativity. He made us all different. Some people are not so handsome. Others are like me. And, you know, everybody's not the same. Some have hair. Some have not. Okay? Listen. What does the psalmist say? David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And never compare yourself with somebody else. God made you the way you are because he likes you that way. So don't try to improve it. Now, I'm not against, you know, ladies using just a little bit of makeup. If the barn needs painting, paint it. But do not live for that. Amen? God already made us naturally beautiful. I don't believe there's such a thing as an ugly person unless they are ugly inside. Sin makes you ugly, but not physically. Okay? Even if you are handicapped, even if you're born blind, or God made everything for a purpose. All right? So, like I told many times, I'm telling you again today, 
Get your identity from God, not from people. Amen? Because remember this. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. And in this day and age, you get 100 people together, you get 100 opinions. And then what happens? You listen to all of them and you're confused. So that's why you need to listen to what God says. Get your identity from God. Amen? So, we see here that <clears throat> when we bear fruit, we, we prove that we are children of God. Also in Matthew, <clears throat> but this time in chapter 7, the Lord says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what? You will know them by their fruits. You want to know somebody is true blue or not? Check their fruits. Check their fruits. Okay? Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and not a bad tree can bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Okay? And what kind of fruit will the believer produce? Open with me one second to the book of Galatians. I think we did this last week. We'll do it again today. Galatians chapter 5. And go to verse 22. The fruit the believer produces. Is what the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is Love. If you are a believer, <clears throat> you will show love. You will have love and show love. Love, I said, not lust. Remember, the love can always wait to give. Lust can never wait to get. It's the opposite. And people these days, of course, since day one, they confuse love with lust or lust with love. You know, it's not the same thing. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love. And what is love? Love is to give. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And what did, who did He give us? He gave us the most precious possession He has. His Son. How do you demonstrate your love towards your family, towards your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, even your enemies? The Lord told us to love even our enemies. But that's not something that we do, you know, forcing ourselves to do it. That's something the Lord put, because that's the fruit of the Spirit. I am a Greek. I was born in Greece. I'm the real McCoy. I was born in Greece. I was not imported or, you know, I was born in Greece. And, you know, Greeks and Turks have been enemies for 500 years. 
As a matter of fact, my grandfather on my father's side was born in Turkey, was born in Ankara. And he grew up in what today is called Istanbul. Back then it was called Constantinople. And in, during World War I, he walked out from Constantinople, from Istanbul to Thessalonica. And he walked at night so the Turks would not catch him because he was born in Turkey. He had Turkish citizenship, but he was Greek. He was an Orthodox Christian. He was not a Muslim. And he walked at night so they would not see him. And he made it to Greece. It was a time of war. And Turkey was fighting with Germany against the Allies. And Greece was fighting on the side of the Allies. So he didn't want to go into the Turkish army and fight and kill Greeks. He came to Greece. And we've always grew, we grew up in the community in, Gre in Argentina where I grew up. They all taught us how horrible the Turks were. And they were. Back then, the wars were going on. There was a lot of atrocities. atrocities. And then I learned that atrocities were committed on both sides. But by then, I was already an adult. And I always had this fear about going to Turkey. Until one day in 2007, may the Lord rest her soul, Isaura Silva organized the trip and we went to Turkey. And I was kind of up, my sister came with me and we were both kind of, Ugh, Turkey. Ugh. As the plane was landing in the airport in Istanbul, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we doing here? the country of our enemies. But you know what happened there? A miracle happened. Everywhere we went, anywhere we went, the people were as nice as could be. And we were, at first we were kind of hesitant to tell them we were Greeks. So one day we ventured, we said we are from Yanunistan, that's Greek, Greece in Turkish. Oh, Yanunistan. My best friend is a Greek. Some of them hugged us. And from Hierapolis, we called my mom, my sister and I, and we said, you know, Ma, the people here are treating us so nicely. My mom was so wise. She says to me, son, we no longer live in the 18th century. And I learned that people are people no matter where you go. You have good and bad. And you know what the Lord did in my heart? He gave me such a tremendous love for the Turks. I didn't have to force myself to love them. It comes from above the love that the Lord tells us that we must have for our enemies. Because that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, this society of ours, everybody's talking about racism and this and that, and we've not got to be one. Blah, blah. That will never be achieved outside of Christ. Because it's only in the Lord Jesus Christ where all those differences are erased. The Apostle Paul says, in Christ, there's neither man nor woman. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither Greek nor Jew, nor barbarian, nor Scythian. The Scythians were the most cruel types of of people but we are all one in Christ 
all this feminist movement, the women, the girl, yeah, they're frustrated. I'll tell you something, ladies. You find your dignity as a woman in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ raised the woman up to a place of dignity. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, you are in a place of honor when you have Jesus in your heart. And you don't have to be striving to be equal with anybody because God made you special. Amen? And you know what? Somebody said, oh, love is colorblind. No, he's not. I don't want to be blind. But I know one thing. How many races are there in the world? Hmm? One. Human race. We have different ethnic groups, but we're all one race. And the Apostle Paul says that in his sermon to the Athenians in Acts 17. Of one blood he made all the nations of the world. Do we all descend from Adam and Eve or not? Case closed. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That means you're long-winded, not in the sense that you talk, in the sense that you have a lot of patience. Okay? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He exhorts them not to rest on their past labors, but to press on further for more labors. Now in Hebrews 6, 11, he reaffirms this exhortation. The exhortation towards progress. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And how do we do this? We do it by continuing to show the same diligence and perseverance in their walk with the Lord, in our walk with the Lord. It is true that God works in us both to do unto will of his own good pleasure, but we as believers must work out our salvation by persevering in it. Notice, we work out our salvation. We do not work for our salvation. Is that clear? There's a big difference. He's the one who works in us, both to do and will of his own good pleasure. But we need to, what he works in, we need to work out. We're already saved. And we must persevere in it, not because we're going to get saved only if we persevere, but the fact that we persevere gives evidence that we are saved. Okay? 
We are not saved by perseverance. But we are rewarded by perseverance. When thing, somebody said, when things get tough, the tough get going. Right? Sometimes we go through negative things in life. We go through trials. We go through tribulations. And when we're going through them, oh man, we think the world is coming to an end. But it is through those things that God gives us strength. I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, listen, I quoted something from Oswald Chambers. If you have not read my utmost for his highest, I recommend you get it. And read it every day. Just one page. It's just, it's just vintages of every day. It's a, it's a devotional. That man spoke like an old man, like he was 100 years old, and he died at the age of 42. He said, God does not give you strength to overcome. Some of us wait. Give me strength, Lord, to overcome. It ain't happening. You say, then what? He gives us strength as we overcome. It's like the priests carrying the ark. What did the Lord tell Joshua? Tell the priests that carry the ark to step into the waters of the Jordan. And as soon as the waters of the Jordan, as soon as the, 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 the priest's feet step into the waters of the Jordan, then the waters will open up. If the priests had not put their feet in the water, that's where the saying comes from. You got to get your feet wet. Right? If they had not stepped in the water, they would have still been there waiting. Because it is by faith the waters were open, but faith without works is dead. So as soon as they were carrying the ark, they stepped inside the waters of the Jordan. The Jordan River opened up, and they walked on dry land. So God gives us strength. As we overcome, if you sit down there waiting to get strength to overcome, it'll never happen. You've got to trust God and move forward. Amen? This is why he tells, uh, he tells them that he desires that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Be diligent in your walk with Jesus. Be diligent in your walk with the Lord. Perseverance produces hope, which in turn provides full assurance to the end that is still Assurance to the end. Which end? It's until they reach maturity. Now, are we going to reach maturity in this life? I mean, total maturity? No. So, you mean to tell me that we, then we need to keep moving forward? Yeah, you, we do. We do. Every day. Every day. Okay? Now, why is this? Okay, we look at, whereas in verse 11, he exhorts them to reach to maturity. Now, in verse 12, 
he exhorts them not to become sluggish. Look what it says in verse 12. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those through, uh, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The word sluggish here is the same as the word dull in chapter 5, verse 11. So in other words, don't become lazy. Don't become sluggish. Don't become dull of hearing. But press on to maturity through faith and patience. Some people think that God is there waiting for them with a towel over his arm saying, what can I do for you? Not too long ago, somebody said to me, why God didn't God do, why didn't he stop this? I said, who do you think God is? A waiter waiting for you to wait, to wait on you? God gives us instructions in his words, in his word. You will not do this, you will not do that, you will do this, and you will do that. If you violate that, there are consequences. God is not going to step in and stop the consequences. Listen, if you decide to go up to the top of the Empire State Building and jump off, do you think God is going to stop gravity just to please you? Huh? Don't count on it. God never told you to go to the top of the Empire State Building and jump off. As a matter of fact, he said, thou shalt not kill. And that includes yourself. So don't violate God's principles and then expect God to come to cater to you. It doesn't work that way. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. Okay? So here we see that he wants us, God wants us to press unto maturity through faith and patience and to leave behind the spiritual laziness. And we are all prone to that. Okay? God has given us the resources and we must apply them in our lives. He has given us his promises and we, like Joshua and Caleb, must believe and claim them. We must be imitators. The Greek word is mimic. We must mimic those who claimed God's promises, took him at his word, and inherited the blessings. And this is what the writer is exhorting them to do. Faith and patience are two main exercises every believer must practice in his or her walk with the Lord. The, exhorta the exhortation was for the Jewish believers of the writer's time, and it is for us today as well. Now, which are the examples? He says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the whole gallery of heroes that we find in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. The faith chapter, beginning with Abel and going all the way down to the judges and many others. Some people say, oh, Lord, give me faith. How is God going to give you faith if he doesn't try you? Imagine every time you ask for something, I want a million dollars, and God gave it to you. And then tomorrow you want another million, and God goes, Would you learn patience that way? No. How do you think God produces patience in you? The Bible says, tribulation worketh patience. 
People come to me and they say, I'm praying for patience and everything is going wrong. Amen. God's working. How do you think God is going to work? Don't ask for patience. Ask for grace. Don't be stupid. If you ask for patience, what do you think God is going to send you? Tribulation. Because why? Tribulation works patience. So many people say, oh, Lord, give me patience. The Lord says, okay, yeah, more trials. Because that's what develops patience. Amen? So don't think God abandoned you. No, God is working every day. It doesn't stop, and he won't stop. He who has begun the good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you think he's going to leave you in the middle of the middle of the road, the, the road there on the side? No, 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 no. Because if he does that, where is the glory for him? God, everything he does, he does it for his glory. And always remember this. Life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift back to God. And I'm not singling out Satish here. It's the same for you and for you, 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 everybody. Everybody. Okay? So that's why every day we get up, we need to thank the Lord for his goodness. Every day we get up, we need to be motivated to work out our salvation and to grow spiritually, mature, and do his will. We've got to press on to maturity. There's no choice. When we were born physically, we began to grow. Right? Same thing spiritually. We've got to grow. You see how relevant the scriptures are? Hmm? How relevant the scriptures are. They were written, well, the book of Hebrews was written 2,000 years ago. And is it for today? Yeah, it is for today. It was for yesterday, it's for today, and it's for tomorrow and, you know, eternity because that's the Word of God. How relevant it is, but only when you trust Christ as your Savior is that God opens your understanding to understand His Word. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbt tbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.